It's March 22nd, and you're watching Battleground. I think I was supposed to say Ezra Levent's Battleground, but then again, Ezra's not here. It is me, David Menzies, and of course, I was about to say sidekick, but that would be uh, the wrong kind of terminology. We're complete equals here, of course. It's not a Batman and Robin situation. We're like Batman and Batgirl, or Batwoman, if you prefer. And that would be Sheila Gunn-Reed out in Alberta. And of course, we are filling in for Ezra, Sheila, because Ezra is once again uh, doing very important work over in the UK, covering yet more Tommy trial stuff. Yeah, I had no idea where it is. First off, what he was doing and what he's up to today, I don't ever ask. I just do when somebody tells me to do stuff. First off, I just want to uh, let everybody at home know that I do work from a bunker in a log cabin in the middle of nowhere. So if my <laughs> Skype is a little glitchy, um, that's what you get um, when you're living off the grid. Um, what we do here every Friday is we, well, Ezra normally hosts his live chat show. Um, what you can do if you want us to uh, answer your questions or if you have comments to make, I'm not sure the levels of uh, payment that you can make, but you can chip in a few bucks here and there. And what it'll do is it'll um, tag your comment to the top of the page and David and I will be forced to read it or answer your question. And yeah. it's a way for us to pay the bills. Yeah. Go ahead. It's not like we're being forced to read it, uh, Sheila. We love reading our comments, especially if they are super chats, because mm -hmm. that helps us keep yes. the lights on. We're not, you know, part of the $1.6 billion welfare case known as the CBC. We did not get the <laughs> $595 million allotment uh, share from the uh, Trudeau Liberals budget for uh, to prop up the mainstream media. So we are so beholden and very grateful to you, our listeners. So if you you can chip in anything like Sheila said, that would be great. So Sheila, so much to talk about. And uh, yes. one of them, I thought, I, I, I received an interesting email uh, two nights ago because my son attends a school in York uh, region. And it was about um, a say no to hate uh, conference. There you go. You can see it there on the screen, folks. Uh, it's being put up by um, York Region District School Board, and it's in April, and it's all about saying no to hate, which I completely support. But when they speak of hate, they are speaking, of, cor of course, about terrorism. But when they're speaking of terrorism, just check a look at, at the very first one, the dangers posed by right-wing extremism in our community. Now, yeah, there is right-wing extremism. We saw one of the most horrific manifestations of that in Christchurch uh, last Friday. Um, however, what about the other forms of extremism? You know, like um, <laughs> radical Islam, you know, uh, which is more and more backpedaled and downplayed and basically all out falsified as random acts of people suffering from mental illness. And of course, one of the speakers at this uh, conference is Bernie Farber. Um, let, let's put it this way, folks. Bernie Farber has never met a human rights commission that he did not love to take part in. He's very litigious, but it's all about right-wing, white nationalist extremism. And yet, when you look around the world, when you do the actual body count, and there are websites that you know do track this, uh, as you know, Sheila, uh, the most profound uh, form of terrorism are those people carrying it out in the name of Allah. And that's not, of course, uh, because I know our enemies will single in, oh, there you go again, bashing Muslims. No, not at all, because probably, uh, actually, the single biggest victim group of Islamic terrorism is indeed Muslims. So, Sheila, I'm just wondering, um, I, I don't know whether I can stomach going to this, um, you know, uh, this conference, because I already know what, what, what's going to be said, but it's kind of interesting to me, with all the heinous acts of terrorism, including here 
in the GTA, I mean, we had Alec Mazayasin uh, run over 10 people and injure several more in a van going back to last April. Um, we had um, uh, has, uh, Faisal Hussein go on the Danforth. And, and by the way, that's a perfect example of the, of the kind of narrative we get with um, Mr. Hussein being of his faith. Uh, this was not done in the name of uh, radical Islam, but he was suffering from mental illness. And we know that because somehow the authorities behind the scene, and I've never found the answer to this question, Sheila, uh, were able to hire a spin doctor to craft a very polished press release that was sent out on behalf of the family, uh, who of course speak English as a second language and would never be capable of writing such a thing in the first place. So I guess, Sheila, uh, I'm throwing up my hands again at the hypocrisy that we see out there when it comes to not being able to name the elephant in the room. Well, I think you should go to this thing. Um, it's important for parents to be involved in all aspects of their children's lives, David. But uh, for another reason, um, I think you should go there and ask them to point out where these mass instances of uh, right-wing, far-right-wing violence is happening. I mean, you got one lady, I, her name escapes me now, who's a keynote speaker at this little meeting, who claims on the heritage front. Now, anybody who knows anything about the heritage front, um, it was um, uh, sort of a prominent uh, neo-Nazi group in the 1990s here in Canada, but they were mostly RCMP officers and CSIS officers because the thing had been infiltrated by the RCMP so that they could do recon and intelligence. And one of the CSIS guys rose up to be one of the leaders of the group. It was basically a bunch of uh, undercover cops, and everybody thought that it was this massive growing group when really it was just a bunch of undercover cops and make, inflating the numbers of the thing to scare everybody. It, when I see these um, far right-wing nationalist groups around and people are reporting on them, I always think, well, that guy obviously is an unshaven RCMP officer and that guy looks a little too perfect for the part. I mean, you can sort of pick the undercover cops out of the crowd at these things, but um, and I think, it, you know, from the Heritage Front to now, I think a lot of the numbers on this stuff is inflated because the supply of neo-Nazis just doesn't meet the demand these days. No, you know, that, that's a great point. I've heard of a similar story happening in the U.S., and I think in that case it was uh, federal agents infiltrating Marxist groups, and it became apparent that like 90% of the membership were various federal agents, you know, they, and they didn't even know it at the time. Uh, so uh, it's kind of surreal that that happens. But I, I, again, Sheila, I have no problem with a school board or a school having a conference conference uh, talking about extremism and terrorism, but it only seems to be one flavor that they're interested in. And I mean, when we look around the world, I mean, you know there are some uh, uh, cities and towns in Europe that if you were to visibly walk around in as uh, being of the Jewish faith, it would be unsafe for you. Now, is it because of white nationalists in these cities or something else? We all know it's something else. Why can't we talk about that? Why can't we talk about Muslims in Sudan uh, killing Christians? Why can't we talk about Muslims in the Middle East and Afghanistan killing other Muslims? This is a no-fly uh, topic, and I think it's insidious because we are just burying our heads in the sand and ignoring you know, the most profound uh, flavor, if you will, of extremism that's in the world today. Yeah, and there will never be a reformation of radical Islam. There will never be a purge of it from the Muslim religion, as long as we keep avoiding, like you say, the elephant in the room. But we have a couple of super chats here, David. Okay. Okay, we have one from my friends at Proud Boys Calgary. Those are good guys, good supporters of the show. Um, he remarks that you have a nice Proud Boy tie on, David, Oh. Um, with the yellow and the black. 
<laughs> Do I owe That's somebody your... a royalty for that? I, I had no idea. <laughs> no, it could also be your Transformers bumblebee tie because you're a nerd like that. Well, I get most of my ties at Value Village, as you know, uh, because uh, we're all <laughs> supposed to be into recycling and uh, and I don't have a lot of money, so there. <laughs> well, maybe we can uh, get a raise if we do a really good job earning money on the Super Chats. Did you yes. hear that at home, everybody? Did you hear oh, that, look, folks? Kian <laughs> Bexty, our colleague, Kian Bexty, says something, something, Alberta election. Ain't that the truth, Kian? This is one of the sleaziest elections I've ever bore witness to. And we are what? four days into it, maybe. I, I mean, the mudslinging and, like, the level of um, hypocrisy already shown by the Alberta NDP is really outrageous. But when you can't campaign on your record, that's what you get. Like, they've dug up a, a quote that Jason Kenney made 20 years ago about something he did 30 years ago as some sort of reason to impugn him as this um, terrible mistreater of the LGBTQ uh, community when, I mean, in 1968, Tommy Douglas did say that uh, homosexuality was a mental illness and those people had to be treated for their mental illness. And, but I mean. Oh, but Tommy just, Douglas is a saint. We can't bring up that from his uh, deep, dark past, uh, Sheila. Right, right. We can judge <laughs> those people in the time in which they lived, in the context in which they said it. But that just doesn't, that same sort of um, uh, sanity is never afforded to conservatives, is it? Uh, I mean, the, we're supposed to all believe the NDP have changed their ways from five years ago when they were anti-oil campaigners, but we can't say, well, Jason Kenney's views have come around on LGBTQ people, especially considered, considering he spent the last, I don't know, 10 years um, advocating and rescuing persecuted sexual minorities, especially in the Middle East. I mean, it's just ridiculous. If they keep going back in time, they're going to accuse him of being the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. Like, there is no limit to how far they're going to go back in time. And, and you know, this is a profound problem uh, for me, Sheila, and we see it playing out in so many jurisdictions. And by the way, I want to thank Ian for weighing in on uh, bringing up the, mm -hmm. you know, the, how, how sordid the Alberta election already is, uh, even though we're only into day four. But this idea of sleuths going back to somebody's, say, high school years, right, uh, going through the yearbook, um, finding an off-color quote, maybe, that he made as a 17-year-old and going, aha, you see, uh, he's a, he's a, you know, uh, a homophobe, he, you know, he's a racist, he's a sexist, you know, not taking into the consideration that people change as they age and as they mature. And um, I, I just think it's despicable, and I, I don't know when that's going to end. And of course, we believe in giving second chances to the people that do the most heinous things, number one being, of course, first-degree murder. Um, once you've done your time, we're told he's paid his debt to society, you've got to give him his freedoms, you know, give him a job, let him be. Terrorism, my goodness. Uh, Omar Khadr, as you pointed out in your expose, he's now got a, uh, a stake in a shopping mall in Edmonton as part of his $10.5 million payout. But if you've made a thought crime, even as a teenager in your distant past, that, Sheila, seems to be an unforgivable sin in which there can be no second chance given. Well, and I don't make the rules for this sort of stuff, but I'm pretty sure they're pulling down statues of John A. McDonald. So if John A. McDonald cannot be redeemed, then how come the NDP think that Tommy Douglas can be redeemed from his comments on homosexuality or eugenics, for that matter, and and sub uh, substandard people? I mean, it's just it really is just ridiculous. It, the NDP themselves, I mean, a good a good portion of them weren't even born when Jason Kenney made those comments. Yeah. I mean, there's a substantial chunk of them that are under the age of 30. The world has changed a lot. People have changed a lot. I've changed a lot in the last, I don't know, 20 years. I mean, who hasn't? Uh, 
conservatives in Canada have gone from, you know, voting against the inclusion of LGBT rights in uh, legislation to being the stalwart of advocating for persecuted sexual minorities all over the world. It is the focal point of their foreign policy. They really lead the charge on that. So for them to drag up these 30-year-old comments and forget all the work that's been done in between, I mean, it is really ridiculous. But when you see those poll numbers that are coming out about the NDP, I mean, really, it's all they got. I think they're within one point, like the UCP is within one point of the NDP in the progressive government hellscape of Alberta, and that says a lot about the NDP, I think. Yeah, I was looking at those poll numbers. I, I got. And by the way, I, I want to say that we should, if, if anyone wants some good recent current affairs information about the Alberta election, well, they must go to your new book, Sheila. But you know, uh, um, nice. there we go. Stop, Notley. No nuance there, folks. Uh, <laughs> 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 there you go. Um, and it's funny looking at those poll numbers. Um, I have to, I, I mean, I, I, I lived two years of my life in Alberta, but I certainly don't know Alberta like you and Kian know Alberta. And I was looking at the, the poll numbers and I found it fascinating that the Liberal Party of Alberta, 2%, that's Green Party and other territory. Uh, Sheila, why is it that the Liberals do so poorly in Alberta that they're uh, down amongst the others? Yeah, they are a fringe party in Alberta. They really are. Um, we, you know, we have four uh, liberal MPs in the province. That's going to go back down to zero. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just, it's a complete and total rejection of Justin Trudeau. When you see um, Elizabeth May's radical wackadoodle Green Party polling uh, the same as the Liberal Party. But yeah, like when you see all the stuff that are, that is top of mind in Alberta. Um, all those issues, the UCP polls higher. And interestingly enough, Jason Kenney's past history of anti-LGBT remarks are nowhere on the list because nobody cares about it. Yeah. In fact, it, the environment and climate change, which has been like the focal point of Rachel Notley's getting pipelines built on social license, that's at 15%. That's how, that's a fringe uh, that's a fringe issue in among itself that just shows how out of touch the NDP are with what really matters on Main Street. And, and you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine how a federal Liberal MP in the province of Alberta <laughs> can live with himself, can look at his constituents, given what the Justin Trudeau Liberals have done to this province in four years. I mean, Oh my goodness, I just can't get into that, that, uh, that frame of mind. But keeping with the Alberta election, um, there's a fascinating little video, and maybe if, uh, oh, we've got some <laughs> super chats, and then I, I wanna uh, throw to a fascinating video that uh, involves you and Kian, uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, get your popcorn ready for this one, folks. Oh, what a fun day I had with Ian. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Proud Boys Calgary, again, very generous, you guys. Six ninety nine, good supporters of the show. They say Jason Kenny's father's cousin's ex-girlfriend's former roommate overstuffed a trash can once. Yes, <laughs> probably. probably. That's, That's what it's where come we're down at. to. <laughs> That's where we're at. Um, I saw Jason Kenny throw a pop bottle in a garbage can as opposed to the blue box in 1989. <laughs> That makes me want to vote for him more. Um, okay. <laughs> so Primpal08, uh, also a good supporter of the show, um, gives us five bucks and says, maybe the NDP can take a page out of the Democrat playbook, vote for us, or the world will end in 12 years. Um, they've already taken that page. Everybody's going to die. All the gay people are going to die. Jason Kenney's going to lock them up in a gulag and electrocute them with electric Bibles. Um, that's pretty much the just the level of discourse happening right now in Alberta politics. And, and you know, and in case the Democrats are right about that, Sheila, that's why I put Every purchase, every major household purchase uh, is on a layaway plan. Hopefully, like a, a don't pay a cent event until 2032, because I know we won't be around by then, so uh, I can uh, make use of my money in the here and now. What do you think about that? If, 
If we're not around in 12 years, um, just based on some of the other stories that we're going to talk about today, it won't because of cli- be because of climate change. It will be because God smited us into dust because there's some... Or an pretty, asteroid. You know what? We're asking for it anyways. <laughs> well, I, I should check with um, uh, Mr. Producer. Do you have that... Um, what, now, uh, here you go, folks. This is uh, Sheila and Keenan the other day. And, uh, well, <laughs> the video tells the whole story. Oh, we're having some audio problems, but there were subtitles. And now that elections official, Sheila, you know, I can understand, you know, you can't put the signs on our property and you dutifully remove them. And uh, thankfully, uh, you didn't endure any physicality (laughs) from the guy telling you to do so. But when he said delete the pictures, what was he talking about that, you know, from the, 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 the camera work, like th- that cannot be aired? Uh, under what yeah. law or bylaw or resolution is he basing that on? Well, that man there is the deputy chief electoral officer for the entire province. Um, he looks exactly the way um, an overpaid bureaucrat whose job it is to police signs how I imagine he would look like if someone said pick the guy out of a lineup that would be the guy um, and he wanted us to delete our video footage because Kian and I just did a little like here's why we're giving these idiots a sign uh, in front of their sign and he came storming out huffing and puffing more work than he's ever done in his life yeah, and, uh, yeah that, that looks evident. Well, I think he's confusing Alberta for North Korea. Uh, Mr. Producer has told me we do have the audio this time, Sheila, Perfect. so we're going to throw to the video and see the whole thing. What they're doing. Christian, put signs up. And you have to delete the pictures, I'm afraid. You have to delete the pictures. Delete the pictures? Yeah. Oh, no, we're not deleting anything. Yeah, you're not putting it on this topic. Yeah, well, I'm taking them. I'm taking the sign. Oh, yeah, you take the sign. Yeah, but you I'm can't not... can't publish the pictures in front of our sign. Who are you, sorry? It's the province of Alberta. I'm the deputy chief electoral officer for Alberta. And what's your name? Great. Drew Westwater. Oh, great. Well, I think Sheila has a few words for you. Yeah. Sure. Sure, yeah. Um... You'll have to remove the signs so you cannot post the pictures. You guys are sure aficionados of censorship, aren't you? It's not censorship. It's not partisan, unbiased partisan activity. So why, can you tell us why the only people that you've been charging uh, under the Elections Act is NDP, uh, is conservative operatives? Elections operator doesn't charge anybody. That's the election commission's job. Well, we were led to believe through your Twitter that you were, in fact, and you were forwarding information to the Elections Commissioner. We do when that violation Why did your Twitter account tell that was the an media, error. It was an error. That yeah, was a staff person who made an error. Yeah, well, who was public, the staff member? Who was the staff member? It's our personal information. It's public information, actually. It's, yeah. No. Yes, it absolutely well, is. Well, it, That's all I have to say about that. Well, I think it's, it concerns me considering that you, your Twitter account said that I broke the law. I've answered your question. Is there anything it's else? An easy, it's no. an easy FOIP to figure out who the yeah. staff member was. Can you just tell us? You cannot, we're not FOIPable, I'm afraid. Isn't that convenient? Well, I'm sure our lawyers will figure it out. Thank you. Yes, I bet you do. Wow, we're not FOIPable. Why does that almost sound like a dirty word? <laughs> well, I, this guy is a, uh, he's supposed to be an expert in the field. You know what? Yeah. Elections Alberta is FOIPable. And I think he's going to find that out the hard way. Oh, so that wasn't <laughs> true then? It's not true. It's not true. They are foipable. I mean, we're also, uh, we've threatened um, Elections Alberta with um, defamation uh, lawsuit because of the things that their Twitter account had posted saying there was an open investigation into my uh, Fire Shannon Phillips billboard along the side of Highway 2. They confirmed that to the media. As it turns out, that's not true. Um, and we've asked them to issue an apology. They haven't done that. Um, so um, as soon as uh, I mentioned that their Twitter account had accused me of breaking the law, he just went dead silent and shut down the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, he, I mean, he's going to find out the hard way. Yeah, that, um, that, that was quite yes, a pregnant pause at one point when uh, you, you uh, lobbed a question to him, which... Uh, 
you know, always suggests to me uh, he doesn't have an answer or he's being caught in a major fib, perhaps. Uh, yeah, it is funny because my kids said that's how I deal with the teachers when he's like, you have to delete the pictures. I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're not deleting anything. Like, <laughs> there's just no discussion to be had. Like, yeah, I'll take my signs, but the hell I'm deleting anything. I'm a journalist. I'm not going to be intimidated by some government bureaucrat whose most exercise and work he's done in six months is coming out to yell at me about a sign on his lawn. I mean, just it's just ridiculous. And you know, but that was such... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that, that was a gift to you and Kian, uh, Sheila. What I would have done if I was in his shoes, especially since he's so, um, you know, well, maybe not camera shy, but he wants camera coverage deleted, as he said, I would have just let you post the signs, wait for how many minutes minutes you were going to spend there. As soon as you're gone, then I'd come out and remove them. I mean, uh, why he would do it on camera when he's got this camera phobia about him, uh, that's baffling to me. Well, and that man, Drew Westwater, he's been giving repeated statements about my billboard in the media, in the mainstream media. Like, he will not shut up about my billboard in the media. But I guess it's more fun talking about us than it is talking to us. Um, but that was, that was just a small part of a very glorious day Kian and I had cruising around the city, delivering those stopnotly.com book signs to Edmonton's most deserving. I mean, it was just, um, it was a hoot. We got to confront um, Darren Billis and he ran away from Kian. I mean, it was just, it was such a good time. And uh, Ezra must have called us five times that day um, and with nothing good to like nothing relevant to say not like hey you guys should do this or giving us direction just to call and tell us that he was jealous oh, <laughs> that's wow. all it was there was no <laughs> there was no like hey maybe you guys should do a stop over here what do, we, what do you think about this it was just like he would call tell us he was jealous and then tell us a brief story about how he got up to like no good um in a car when he was a kid or like 16 and like going down a gravel road it was he occupied a lot of our day but you could tell he really wanted to be there with us well well we i think i know why ezra is jealous i think we all know <laughs> that your shenanigans out there uh sheila and and those of uh, kian are driving the Rachel Notley people crazy. They, they really have their knickers in a knot over our actions there. And as you know, they've been trying to shut us down and economically penalize us. So when they see us not retreating, but putting the throttle uh, all the way to the floor, um, it, it, like I said, it must be driving them nuts. Yeah, I mean, it encourages me. When they kicked me out of the legislature, uh, I wrote a book about how they kicked me out of the legislature and everything else they do and call it the destroyers. Um, when they uh, try to fine us for our first billboard, we put up a second billboard. When the uh, deputy electoral officer for the province runs his mouth in the media to us um, about my second billboard, then we show up at his office and put up a sign. Like, do they, are they making the connection that they're encouraging me? I, I mean, I guess not. I mean, no one's ever accused them of being overly intelligent. And you know, um, Sheila, I, I love the destroyers because basically everything you <laughs> predicted in that came true, one. And secondly, uh, after I finished reading it, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but it was such a perfect size, that book. And by that, I mean, mm -hmm. um, at home, we have a, a window-mounted air conditioner that sort of lops, and I sort of just wedged it in under the air conditioner, and it propped <laughs> it up perfectly. So, you know, on, on both on both fronts, that's a fantastic book. You know what? Don't let anybody tell you that conservatives don't recycle because I'm a utilitarian person. You, I think you thought that that would annoy me, but I'm just pleased. Yeah, I was trying to bust your chops with that one. But anyway, so uh, I'm not sure if we have any more super chats. Um, uh, uh, no. Okay, so maybe we can switch gears and uh, yep. talk about Jane Philpott. Uh, fascinating interview uh, by McLean's, uh, I have to say. Uh, where basically uh, she said outright that when it comes to the improper pressure that was allegedly applied on Jody Wilson-Raybould, there is much more to the story. That's a direct quote, much more to the story. And here's the thing, um, Sheila, I think 
everybody, uh, even maybe liberal supporters, are getting sick and tired of this excuse that because of um, uh, privilege that she cannot speak, she can't reveal the rest of the story. I think it is incumbent for Justin Trudeau to let uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould speak. We know she wants to speak. Uh, we know when we had our, our first chance of trying to get her speak with the Justice Committee, that was shut down. So I'm tired of this feminist prime minister uh, basically uh, having the point of view that, um, you know, female cabinet ministers should be seen and not heard. Some feminist, eh? Well, yeah, I mean, the the competent ladies that he's appointed to do things like Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, once they express how competent they really are by resisting pressure from the PMO, that's when he turfs them. Uh, because he really doesn't care about competent women. He cares about meeting the right number of women um, and the right women in the front line of a photo op. But he really doesn't care about you know, women who can actually do their job. I mean, it sounds like this in this um, article with uh, Jane Philpot here. And let me be clear, I'm not a Jane Philpot fan. I, I'm not. I mean, she's over here and I'm way over here on a lot yes. of stuff. But she said um, that when she decided to become a politician, she made a commitment to represent the people of her riding. And she says the people of her riding have been telling her that they want to hear more. They feel like they haven't heard the whole story. And she said her primary obligation in representing them is to ensure that they have confidence that nothing untoward took place. And they have been concerned about why there is an attempt to shut down the story. And just before we were coming on air, it sounds like at least it was breaking on the CBC that Jody Wilson-Raybould said that she will present her texts and her emails mm -hmm. and other communications that she had with the PMO and other people um, that amounted to that untoward pressure. So it sounds like we, despite the Liberals, um, all their attempts to shut down this story and put an end to it, um, especially with their budget full of goodies that nobody even asked for, that I think the truth just might come to light. And, and you know what? That is the $64,000 question, Sheila. What is that truth? I mean, I think it's abundantly clear that Justin Trudeau is deathly afraid of what Jody Wilson-Raybould has to say, you know, th that, that rest of the story, as Ms. Philpott uh, pointed out to. And... I mean, what she said so far was so damning in terms of ethics and morals, uh, although she did uh, remark, I do believe, that uh, there was no illegality. So having framed it in that sense, Sheila, what do you think Justin is so afraid of? What, what, what is this other thing Jody Wilson-Raybould wants to speak of? Well, I don't know, but I think SNC-Lavalin might know because they've come out and said that this 9,000 jobs excuse that the Liberals have been trotting out every time that people mention um, prosecuting SNC-Lavalin for their crimes and that, oh, 9,000 jobs will get lost. Well, I'm from Alberta and that, <laughs> that rings a little bit hollow to me considering the hundreds of thousands of jobs we've lost because of Liberal inaction. But SNC-Lavalin has come out and said that actually wasn't going to happen and we never expressed that to the PMO. So um, it, it looks like it's pure um, political interference for political gain in Quebec because the Liberals aren't doing as great there as they think they should be. Um, so, I mean, it, it looks like the House of Cards is starting to fall down. And, and you know something? I'm going to call BS on that 9,000 job loss or potential yeah. job loss, too, because I heard about a week ago, uh, Sheila, and fascinating interview with Professor Ian Lee, who I have a, a, a tremendous amount of time for. And basically, uh, this is somebody whose specialty is business. And he was saying that SNC-Lavalin is amongst a select group of companies in the world that perhaps number six to eight in terms of uh, being top of the game in engineering, in terms of having the best of the best. And the idea that this was going to lose 9,000 jobs is absolutely preposterous. 
Well, yeah, and and you know, I think even as crooked as SNC Lavalin is, and as uh, as corrupt as they are, I mean, they did pay for escorts for Muammar Gaddafi's kid. Even they couldn't let that lie from the liberals go by. We do have some super chat though. <sighs> hey, let's go back. What do we got? We have super chats. Okay. Uh, Primpal08, congrats on having your book hit the bestseller list on Amazon in the first day. Oh, it did hit the It did hit the bestseller list on Amazon, although it was the number one in political books. And that was, that I believe now the uh, paperback version is available. So that was only when the uh, ebook edition was available. So let's see if we can get that to number one on the entire Amazon.ca uh, bestseller list because boy, that would sure make Rachel Notley mad. Oh, Sheila, uh, Mr. Producer tells me it was Amazon.com for the paperback. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, it's on Amazon.com. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. There's a lot of moving parts and I miss a lot of them. Um, I'm just the author. I don't do the other stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> El Cabra, good to see you in the super chat. A loyal viewer also gives us $6.99 Canadian. Do you have the clip of Michelle's Rem Michelle Rempel's feminism speech she did towards Trudeau? I've seen it. Um, she just scorched the ground um, <laughs> underneath him. It was just, uh, it was crazy, crazy. Uh, I believe the very same day um, Candace Bergen gave him the business too. Um, moving along, we got another one here. Oh, and by the way, Sheila, from, as you're looking for that, Mr. Producer tells me that we can actually get uh, Michelle Rempel's uh, talk. So, yeah, that's that's full 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 value for the money. Let me tell you. Oh boy, she it it was like nothing uh, you've seen in Canadian politics in a <laughs> long time. Okay, so D. Tyler Dunbrack writes. Oh, gives us ten bucks Canadian. Then writes. Voter fraud evident in Burnaby South election. No ID required to vote. Does Alberta require ID to vote? Um, we require ID or proof of residency, and that can be done as simple as bringing in a utility bill um, with your name on it. So um, it's pretty easy to vote. Um, although I do think that since everybody walking around should have ID, it should be government issue ID to vote. I think that's the best way to protect the franchise. Fantastic. And by the way, I want to thank all the uh, viewers that have uh, chipped in so far uh, with their super chats, uh, Sheila. And perhaps if we can uh, see what Ms. Rempel had to say. Uh, not yet. We're still looking, but uh, in the meantime, okay. you said something before you broke for the Super Chats, uh, Sheila, and I think this is when the SNC-Lavalin uh, scandal moved from bizarre to the realm of the circus, and that was, as you mentioned, Muammar Gaddafi's son was given $30,000 worth of uh, uh, prostitution services. And since I really know very little about that world, I want to reach out to our viewers. What does $30,000 buy you? That's, I mean, that's the price of a car for me. I mean, like, what do you get for $30,000? And I have to ask this because, you know, when we crunch all these numbers, um, this is part of the narrative. So if anyone out there, unless you know yourself, Sheila, you're well-versed in so many subjects. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that didn't come out quite the way I meant it, but uh, I, I would like, you know, if any Anyone knows uh, what you get in terms of quid pro quo for 30 grand. Uh, I am just absolutely fascinated. So there you go. As we look, I think, David, I think there's a lot of moving parts to that question just to address <laughs> it. Um, because I think it depends on the hooker. Yeah. Like, I think it depends on like the quality of hooker, the services provided, uh, the time spent. I think the only way we would know is to get SNC-Lavalin to show us. I mean, they obviously paid for these services. Um, boy, I'd love to know what that $30,000 entails. Well, I think what I'm getting at, Sheila, is that does $30,000, do you get a bulk discount? If, if I go to a house of ill repute and say, here's 30 grand, is that really worth maybe 40 grand of services if I were to do one-offs uh, all the time? Uh, I, I don't know if that's how that business works, kind of like you know the Costco model. 
Oh, well, maybe they could have just saved themselves a lot of hassle and got him one of those robots that we <laughs> talked about that one time on the show. And just then he could just have it because I bet you could probably get a robot like one of those intimate robots for 30 grand and then you just give it to him. And, and you know what? Justin Trudeau no would love. No woman is exploited. Yeah, Justin Trudeau would love one of those robots, Sheila, because, you know, it, it wouldn't talk back to you unless you're asked to talk. So uh, that seems to be how he treats uh, female cabinet ministers. Anyway, speaking of which, we have uh, Mr. <laughs> Producer has the, uh, audio, uh, the video of uh, Michelle Rempel. He asked for strong women, and this is what they look like. Women who won't sacrifice their principles to cover up his corruption stand exactly. scandals. Women who stand up every day and refuse yes. to back down against his abuse yes. of our judiciary, of parliamentary committees, and more importantly, the use of the term feminist. Yes. Fake. I'll ask one more time. If this Prime Minister is such a feminist, why is he for muzzling the former Attorney General? Right Honorable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, I am in... Mr. President, I am very Can't he ever ask, answer a direct question, Sheila? It's like you say to Justin Trudeau, what kind of car do you drive? And the answer is, my drapes are green. It's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and to, okay, so Rempel's first language is English. Uh, Trudeau's first language is English. She's asking the question probably on behalf of Western Canadians, but I mean Canadians as a whole, who the majority of Canadians are first language is English. And what does he do? Start off the answer in English, pump the brakes on himself, rewire his brain, and then start to answer in French. Uh, it's just uh, just another way to obfuscate from what she just asked him. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, but Sheila, I, I don't have to be fluid in French to know that what he's saying in French is just as much BS as what he says in English. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the language of BS is universal, isn't it, David? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right then, and uh, so, uh, we do we have a super chat there, uh, Sheila? Or nope, or no not? super chat. I'm waiting for you to give us another topic. Well, you know, we talked off air about this, and uh, I think it's important uh, because it's something that's increasing in Western nations that are kind of flummoxed in terms of how to deal with this. And evidently, in Switzerland, um, population 8.5 million, um, and most of whom are uh, Christian. Uh, there was a uh, proposal to have a law that would ban the burqa and I would assume the niqab too, you know, an anti-face mask law. There are two cantons in Switzerland that indeed have such a law and the government rejected that, um, but they're going to look into uh, tabling a bill for a law that would require anyone with a face mask to unveil when an authority asked them to do, which I uh, support. By the way, we, I should say the reason, Sheila, I thought it was absolutely astonishing in terms of why they didn't want to ban the burqa is because of um, Arab tourists who might be wearing burqa. So in other words, you know, if there's uh, deep-pocketed uh, Arab burqa or niqab-wearing tourists coming to Switzerland to buy a wristwatch or a cuckoo clock, uh, we don't want to chase that business away. That's, uh, so, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line. I think that's a terrible, terrible reason not to do this. But where I stand on this, if you want to wear this at your home, you're fine to do so. If you want to go to the mosque and put it on, you're fine to do so. But we live in a Western democracy, and one of the reasons why we don't have Checkpoint Charlie every two kilometers with somebody saying, your papers please, is because when we walk around, Sheila, I can see who you are, you can see who I am. And if someone's wearing a mask, and let's you know, do a hypothetical situation, they commit an assault, say you're hurt by somebody that way, Sheila, you are at a complete inherent disadvantage in identifying that person. Furthermore, there is absolutely nothing in the Quran. In fact, many Muslims are repulsed by these fabric coffins too. So the idea that this is religious freedom is completely bogus. I'm sorry, even if it was a mandate, 
we are always told, rightly, that public safety comes first. So I do hope that Switzerland at least falls back on plan B and has it so that when you're asked to take off that face mask to uh, reveal yourself, you should. But I think they should have gone ahead with a ban. And by the way, a ban is what I'd like to see in this country too. But under these liberals, you'd never see that happen. Well, and I mean, the... The request here seems pretty reasonable. The proposal would mean that anybody repeatedly, so repeatedly, not just one time, but repeatedly refusing to show their face to officials like customs, aviation, and migration could face a fine. Those are security points at which finding out exactly whose face you're looking at is pretty darn important. This all reminds me of the time that you voted in a burqa. <laughs> Remember that? You went there. I mean, it was, I don't know why you carried a purse that day, but whatever. <laughs> I think that's the funniest part of that whole video is your little clutch that you had. But it's anyways, because it accentuated my eyes, Sheila. <laughs> it did, because that's all you could see. Um, but you went there and you gave them your, I think it was your driver's license. And they're like, oh yeah, that's you. Well, how the hell do they know that's you? They don't know if that driver's license is the person under the burqa, and they never asked. So that could have been somebody stealing your vote off the voter roll if they had picked up your ID somewhere. Um, that's how important this stuff is. It really is important. Oh, 100%. And Sheila, I have another example. This was done uh, about six years ago during my son news days, but we had a 15-year-old um, a boy put on the burqa and went to three Liquor Control Board of Ontario retail stores to buy hard alcohol, hard liquor. No questions asked. And just think of that. What is the ostensible policy reason, Sheila, for liquor boards in Canada to have a liquor monopoly? Well, it's because of social responsibility, i.e., um, well, if we had the private sector selling liquor, you'd have 12-year-olds in the parking lot getting drunk on Colt 45. Whereas we, the government, we answer to a higher standard. We make sure that we're doing things on the up and up. And here's this 15-year-old boy um, just buying hard liquor at every single store we went to. It, 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 that's a disgrace. And by the way, you can, if you're interested in seeing that, folks, I think if you go online and uh, punch in Burka Boy LCBO, uh, you'll see the video evidence of that one. I mean, I've been pulled over for driving without my seatbelt on because I don't think it's the government's job to keep me safe that way. I will wear a seatbelt, but not because the government told me to. But anyways, I was wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses. And the cop made me take off my baseball cap and sunglasses so he could match my driver's license picture oh. to my face. That's important. You know, that that's he has to confirm my identity before he gives me the ticket. I mean, it's it's stuff like that. It's so simple. It happens in everyday life. Uh, the Hutterites out here in Alberta, um, they a lot of the more orthodox Hutterite sects, they don't believe in having their photos taken, but to comply with the law to get their driver's license. They do. Um, it's a good balance between their religious freedom and and uh, complying with the laws that everybody else has to. Reasonable people realize that it is important to show your face to authorities so that your ID can be confirmed. When I got my gun license picture, I couldn't even have bangs touching my forehead because that would obscure my identity. And yet there are people walking around who never have to reveal their face to security officials, police, migration, all those things. You know, and uh, again, it's you're, we're supposed to have it that uh, public safety trumps everything, but because mm -hmm. of certain political, religious sensitivities, uh, the gatekeepers are turning a blind eye to that, and that's despicable. And, you know, it, it, it's you mentioned something, the word reasonable, and how many times have we heard the term reasonable accommodation? We must be reasonably accommodating others. Well, here's what I say, Sheila. Reasonable accommodation is a two-way street, and I think a newcomer to Canada that, you know, believes in wearing like I call it, the, the fabric coffin, or by the way, might be coerced by the males in our family to wear that fabric yeah. coffin, because we know that happens too, and we know with 
uh, slights of honor what the penalties can potentially be. Well, I'm sorry, you've got to be reasonable as well. So I think the, the reasonable accommodation here, uh, if I was uh, king of the kingdom of Canada, is you want to wear a mask, do it in private, do it at your place of worship, but in public, no. I want to see your face. Well, try walking around in a balaclava, try going to the bank in one. <laughs> you well, know, see how that goes. It's funny you mentioned that. We put, uh, you know, here in Toronto where the, the Blue Jays uh, played and uh, where the Argos used to play, the Sky Dome, now called the Rogers Centre, um, there was a story a few years back of an Argo alumni at Halloween that actually got ejected from the stadium because he was wearing a Halloween mask. It was just part, and this was somebody that used to play for the Toronto Argonauts. So we went to the Sky Dome and uh, I had a female friend with me, full burqa, no problem. She's sitting there. At the end of the first quarter, I got up to go to the concession stand. I put on a balaclava. The security, the cops descended upon me. And I'm pointing, you can, uh, I'm sure if you search the Rebel site, you can see this. I'm pointing uh, to the woman uh, with, the, uh, with the burqa on. And they're saying, well, that's not a mask. And I'm saying, yes, it is. And they go, no, it's, it's, it's religious. And I go, well, you're wrong. There is no religious requirement. And the definition of a mask <laughs> is something that conceals your face. But anyways, I got ejected uh, from the Sky Dome because I wouldn't remove my balaclava. So once again, Sheila, you nailed it. It's a double standard, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, I would have just proclaimed that my religion is not having a cold face <laughs> <laughs> and, and tried that one on for size. But chances are nobody would believe me because there's only one religion that takes supremacy over the rule of law, I suppose, right? Sad but true. It's at the uh, total uh, higher end of the human rights uh, hierarchy. Uh, and by the way, that is how human rights commissions look at people in terms of identity politics. And you, uh, depending on your sexual orientation, your religion, your color of skin, that's going to determine how far up the totem pole you are and how much underground you are. And uh, I think we all know which groups sort of the, uh, the penthouse and uh, which groups are, like I said, in the cellar. But uh, there you go. Now, um, I think you had another topic you wanted to speak of as well, Sheila, uh, that you sent along, or am I missing something? Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a good segue, the uh, social justice hierarchy. I think that's a good segue into our story about uh, San Antonio and the airport there. Oh. They isn't that crazy? Uh, San Antonio, uh, the article is from The Blaze. It says San Antonio bars Chick-fil-A from their airport over their legacy of anti-LGBTQ behavior. And it is just crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, it really is crazy. So they were rejected from getting uh, a location at the San Antonio airport. San Antonio, from what I understand, is Texas Edmonton, just like a progressive weird uh, whatever, where yeah. all the like the socialists congregate as opposed to every all the good people outside in the rural parts of Texas. Um, so anyways, the, the there's a busybody counselor who made sure that uh, the airport denied um, a seven-year contract to Chick-fil-A, which would generate more than $2 million for the city um, because there's a busybody counselor there who said um, the decision was made based on inclusivity. So, <laughs> so they're banning people again for inclusivity. They're, I'm not sure they know what those words mean. Um, no, they don't. And, because, and let's be clear, Sheila. That, yeah. There is a suggestion there in terms of inclusivity that if you're a member of those groups, uh, A, you won't be hired uh, by the company, mm -hmm. or B, you won't be served. And that's absolutely nonsense. That is completely false. And I have to tell you, Sheila, looking at the facts of the matter, especially in a country that's protected by the first Amendment. Um, I would suggest, I'm not a lawyer, maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. I think Chick-fil-A has an incredible lawsuit uh, to pursue uh, based on the constitutionality of being excluded this way. Well, and let's just list the things that uh, San Antonio says are against LGBTQ people that Chick-fil-A has done. So they 
they're controversial because of their stances on biblical marriage. And they've given money to such horrible people like the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's what has had them run afoul of um, of the bureaucrats in San Antonio. Now, to their credit, uh, Chick-fil-A said, we agree with the counselor that everyone is and should feel welcome at Chick-fil-A. We have a fundamental code of conduct at Chick-fil-A. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then they go on to say that the 140,000 people who serve customers in our restaurants on a daily basis represent and embrace all people, regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Our intent is to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And by the way, Sheila, uh, here's, to me, this is the bottom line. No one is forcing anyone to go to a Chick-fil-A. So for those reasons, if there was any consumer out there that, you know, had a hate on for Chick-fil-A, then you punish them uh, via your pocketbook. I'm going to go to another restaurant to eat. This idea that the state has the mandate, um, in, you know, this uh, a sort of a boycott, you know, uh, you know, an exclusion of a restaurant from an airport, uh, it, it, it's terrible. And I'll tell you, for people who sympathize with Chick-fil-A, and I won because when I went out to Calgary uh, to give the, um, the money that we raised for the veterans, there is a Chick-fil-A in the yep. Calgary airport. I made a beeline to it. it. I'll tell you, that's a delicious chicken sandwich. <laughs> My only complaint is they didn't have vinegar for the fries. And I'm telling you this, Chick-fil-A, I know you're an American company. If you don't serve vinegar in Canada, that is un-Canadian. I know Americans, for the most part, don't put vinegar on their fries. But that's the worst kind of exclusion I experienced at Chick-fil-A, Sheila. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, like the uh, it's it's just so funny because some of the reasons the San Antonio City Council said that they don't want Chick Fil A there is that uh, people might become upset walking past a Chick Fil A in the oh, airport. Oh, poor if, babies! If you cannot walk past a restaurant that donated to the Salvation Army, you are not mentally fit to be flying through the air on an airplane. I'm worried that you're going to cause some sort of on-air, like in-the-air scene. That's what I would be worried about, if that's the kind of person you are. We do have uh, a super chat, though. Super chat. Yes. Okay, so it, uh, it, from It's Fraudulent for $5, Sheila, are you guys doing a compilation video of all the NDP scandals in the past four years? Video, no, but there's a book out there. <laughs> it's called Stop Not Lee. You can get it for five bucks on uh, ebook e version or at Amazon.com. Stop Not Lee. It's the case for throwing out the NDP, and uh, that's where I've rounded up all the scandals. Although, my friend Kean does do a video series called Meet Your Destroyers or Meet the Destroyers, and it's basically some of the greatest hits from some of the more recent NDP. Uh, behavior. Fantastic. And by the way, I want to get back to something you just said before you uh, read that super chat. And by the way, thank you for that. Um, the This idea of that we have to protect people from being triggered. Oh, I hate that word, Sheila. That yes. triggers me when I hear about other people getting triggered. And it brings to mind, there was a story uh, that uh, occurred this week. Um, I've got a commentary coming up uh, about it in depth on the weekend. And um, one of our favorite wrestlers, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, had one of the most profound honors bestowed upon him. The United States military's uh, first armored division named a tank after him. And, um, you know, The Rock was uh, completely flattered and honored by this. But the social media shite storm that was, you know, that happened in terms of, oh, how could you ever lend your name to a war machine, to a killing machine? And it seems that these people don't understand a couple of things. Yeah, there's a picture of it. Isn't that beautiful? What a gorgeous tank. I mean, it, I could only dream of having my name on a tank, Sheila, let me tell you. But this idea that there's no such thing as a just war seems to be beyond their comprehension. This idea that there's not a form of di diplomacy called peace through strength. 
that seems beyond them. What would they ha- what would they do? Have their nation completely demilitarized? Because I can tell you, the bad guys in the world, the Irans, the North Koreas, they'd probably come knocking pretty quickly. And guess what? They have tanks, and they're not afraid to use them. Okay, first we have a super chat. I want to get to it before we have to go off the air. Okay. Uh, Primpel08, another five bucks, very generous, says, if sex is supposed to be non-binary, what does the B in LGBT stand for? Boring. Because (laughs) that's what um, so many people on the left want us all to be is just bland, vanilla, and boring. Um, And then going back to uh, your story about uh, the rocks tank, do you think any of those people complaining are wrestling fans? Do you think? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> The Rock beat people up for a living. I enjoyed watching it. Um, do Do you think any of those people who are generally like uh, NASCAR watchers, wrestling watchers, um, didn't take offense to the WWE uh, girls um, that wore next to nothing? didn't write any letters when gold dust with his sexual ambiguity um, came out and creeped everybody out. <laughs> Do you think any of those people are like, oh, I'm not, I'm done here because there's a war machine named after The Rock. And of these are co- people who who have no interest in The Rock whatsoever, never watch an action movie. Yeah. Um, they're telling the rest of us what we should find offensive. No, it is it's the people like Dion Buse, the, the guy, you know, the feminist yes. uh, <laughs> Women's Day March that punch in. The, they're the ones that are offended. But you know what, Sheila, I see by the clock on the wall and by Mr. Producer's yes, voice done. that we're almost out of time. And I think what The Rock should say to all these critics is something that I think Justin Trudeau says to his female cabinet uh, ministers. And that's one of the, walk, the Rock's greatest quotes, which is this. Know your role and shut your mouth. And on that, I shall leave it. And uh, Sheila, thank you so much for co-hosting. And folks, uh, Ezra in all likelihood will be back next Friday. And thank you once again for everyone uh, commenting and for all those contributing in the Super Chat. Thank you so much. Good day.